You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a new episode of Delirious Nomads, brought to you by Blacklight Media Records, a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, celebrity chef Chris Santos. I hate calling myself that. And underground metal connoisseur Matt Bacon, who loves being called that. This is your new favorite podcast for all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports and riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the globe. Hello and welcome to the Delirious Nomads podcast, a Blacklight Media podcast featuring Celebrity chef Chris Santos and myself, the ever-humble oh. Matt Bacon. This week, we have a long-time friend of mine, like long, long-time friend of mine. I was thinking about that this morning. Um, Justin Roth of Blacklight Media Signees War Curse. How are you, Justin? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm great. Uh, you're not old enough to have long-time friends, so stop, stop at that nonsense. Okay, how about this? Justin's been my friend <laughs> for 25% of my life. Okay, great. Damn, has it been that long? been like five or six years yeah what are you 12 exactly <laughs> well you know if you listen to this podcast um justin you would understand that he is indeed in many ways 12 yeah i, I do listen quite a bit but you know here, here's here's what i'll say chris just just in return to that while i may be 12 i'm 12 years old but i have hair oh boy here oh here we go <laughs> Um, anyway, anyway, moving, moving right on. Yes, on. So it's uh, it is a Saturday night, and as Justin just said off air, um, I am not in my restaurant tonight. Um, I am actually taking a all too rare Saturday night off for uh, one of my other passions, which is uh, I'm a big fight guy. So Canelo Alvarez is fighting tonight. This is probably going to air in a couple of weeks, but this is November sixth, and I was actually going to go to the fight. It's in Vegas, but long story short is. Um, I do work and uh, I was working late last night and I got a bunch of work to do early in the week. So I'm sitting back, but I'll be watching with some friends at the house and super excited for uh, what could turn out to be the fight of the year. Very cool. I knew vaguely before, you know, we, we started talking and signed with you guys and all that, that you were into boxing. I knew you were into combat sports, but I had no idea how into it you were. Mm. And like when I saw you training with Freddie Roach and some of these, I was blown away. So that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, thanks. Um, I, I I did it for 26 years in, uh, straight, and then I took 10 years off. That's how old I am. Um, and uh, I gained about 75 pounds uh, in the 10 years I took off. I went from I was I always was around 168, 175 pounds, and then um, when I went back to the gym and when I when I uh, when I joined Jenny, Freddie Roach's team, um, I was two fucking 50. I'm about 215 now, and I'm trying to get down to, into the 190s for my wedding in May. 
You know, it's no joke there. You know, if you are not working hard at Freddie Roach's gym, you're basically just in the fucking way of all the all these pro fighters that are grinding for fights, you know? So it's a really insp- inspirational place to work out. Um, yeah. Been a crazy year for boxing, though, with the, all these celebrity boxing fucking fights. What's your opinion of those? Okay, so I'm more of – I, I have an MMA background. I, no. I love boxing, I'm, but it's I'm a, a big, casual. Big UFC fight tonight too. I'm going to be watching both. Yeah, so I'm, but I'm more of a casual boxing fan. In this this entire phenomenon of, of these circus events, uh, I mean, I can see how they're good for boxing. This probably will piss off a couple of boxing fans, but like boxing wasn't as talked about. MMA was yeah. certainly the more talked about sport, and with a lot of my guys crossing over and losing to clowns like. The Paul brothers, it, it's just hilarious. But I, I think I can see how it's good and bad for the sport. Yeah, it's 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 both. Um, it'll be it'll be better when it kind of goes away. Um, because what you have is you have, I mean, I gotta give Jake Paul credit. The guy's putting the work in in the gym. He's 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 very selective with his opponents. He hasn't fought anybody yeah. that was supposed to beat him. He's gonna fight Tommy Fury December 18th, which is interesting. Tommy Fury, of course, being related to Tyson Fury. Um and so I, Tommy Fury, if he loses, he's going to take a, a beating from his brother. So he's got to win the fight. Um, but but, you know, but, but what what Jake Paul is doing is he's he's bringing millions of new eyes to the sport. And he what he is doing is the undercard fights are professional fighters uh, on their way up. Right. He's not he's not putting other YouTubers on the undercards. So he's so he's giving uh, real boxers exposure that they wouldn't normally get. So in that sense, it's really good. Um, in the sense that a lot of the fights are, you know, him or his brother against a, a washed 40 year old basketball player. It's not really yeah. a boxing match, you know? Um, so yeah, I'm with you, man. I have mixed feelings about it. Um, well, well in defense to Logan, I mean, he did have the balls to get in there with Floyd, you know, yeah, and, even, and now even, they're talking even, about him and Mike Tyson next. Yeah. Well, that's a different, yeah, that's, that's crazy. But, but I mean, you you know, I mean, you, despite the weight difference, I mean, it doesn't matter how big you are if you're in there with a guy like Floyd, with his speed and his skill. So you know, I give Logan credit for that, and I think I think Jake's going to get his ass whooped in this next one. And I have to admit, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. So, did you hear about the thing they announced this week, which will bring us back to metal? It's called uh, Triller is coming out with something called Triad Fights, and it's a brand new thing. Um, it's a it's a triangular ring, which I have not seen a photo of yet, but it's a triangular ring. And it's boxers versus MMA fighters, but they are um, leveling the playing field. They're going to use MMA gloves. So you can, you can, not only are they going to be smaller gloves, but you can actually hold and grab. You can do like dirty boxing inside. You can step on, on your, the, the other fighters feet. Like it's not just pure boxing rules. It's more like MMA standup rules. You can't, you can't elbow, but you can back, you can back fist though. Um, and they're doing it so like there'll be eight fights right and if or odd amount of fights actually i guess like seven fights right if if four boxers win and three mma fighters win all seven boxers get a bonus so it's kind of like a team sport and metallica is playing the inaugural event on november it's november 27th it's uh three weeks from tonight and uh, metallica is going to be be performing there so i can see matt laughing already he already (laughs) yeah yeah. I just love how like I just love how over the top that is that it's like we're gonna do this thing and then on top of that we're gonna get Metallica like let's go yeah. like right. I just you know <laughs> as as much as I, I I think the Triller fights I mean they're run like a circus and it, yeah. all the twerking and all the nonsense I mean I I can barely watch it it's so cringy mm-hmm. but you have to give them credit for just consistently pushing the envelope 
They're, you know, they're throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping something sticks. I mean, they are, you know, and I mean, I'm sure they see the writing on the wall. One, one of the Paul brothers, their cash cows, one of them's going to lose. And yeah. then the appeal is, is, you know, greatly diminished. So doing something weird, like a triangular ring. And, you know, I mean, certainly Metallica brings millions of eyes. So you can't blame them. I mean, it's pretty brilliant promotion. I'm amazed they have the budget to continue to do this stuff. I'm surprised yeah. like some of these other, kind of fly by the seat of their pants promotions that they haven't gone you know, belly up already with the amount of money they spend, but somebody's backing it. Somebody's buying it. So you can't be mad at them for doing yeah, it. And I, I think that very first fight they did with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, they made a pretty penny. So I think they might be still spending that money. I'm not sure. Are we call uh, they've lost about, they've lost a bunch too though. Yeah. But anyway, we are not here to talk about all that. Although I could spend the entire episode talking about this shit. Um, I should just have a second a spin-off podcast about MMA and boxing. But we want to talk about you. We want to talk about Workhurst. We want to talk about all the things. For those who are aren't familiar, right? Work Workhurst is we are proud to have them on our Blacklight Media Metal Blade uh records roster for your your debut record coming with us, which is your third full length, right? Yep. Um and based on your last your last record, we couldn't be more excited to hear what you're coming up with. I know some stuff, but maybe I don't even know a lot of stuff. But tell our listeners, you know, sort of the beginnings of the band, how you guys came together, um, sort of the journey from, you know, I mean, even you, you like, you know, why why metal? What was your first show? What got you into this shit? Yeah. So, I mean, Warcurse, uh, my, my partner in crime is Murphy, the other guitar player, Joshua Murphy. We've been doing bands together for I mean, the better part of two decades now. So that's how old we are. But, um, you know, we always played punk rock. Hardcore. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we, you know, I mean, we, we've played every genre of music except for metal up to this point. And we were doing a we were doing a crossover band. Uh, it was it was very like power trippy sort of hard that brand of hardcore, that sort of mm-hmm. thrashy crossover hardcore. And uh, it, it, it was just it was time. You know, it's like we had done everything but the one genre that was our main passion. Uh, both of us, you know, grew up on metal. I had I had a, a weird upbringing. My parents were both metalheads, and their friends were metalheads. And you know, I mean, I had weird guys with nicknames like Deadhead, you know, passed out on my bedroom floor when I was a kid. You know, parent, maybe not the best parenting, but I was always <laughs> exposed to like these long-haired, tattooed dudes with you know that, that were into you know bands. I, I mean, I was listening to bands like Exodus and Testament before I knew who those bands were. It was just what was mm-hmm. played in my house. So it was sort of, it was, uh, it was a natural progression, I guess, you know, playing all other genres of heavy music sort of led to it. We decided to get together with our drummer, James, and this was in like the end of 2013 or so. Um, I had, I was actually on Craigslist. I was looking for vintage concert tees or something. And um, I think I searched the word Megadeth. I think is how, how I found James. And he was, he was playing in the, uh, kind of a known really good uh, traditional power metal band up in the Baltimore DC area called division. And he was moving back to Ohio, which is where we're based out of and looking for some dudes to jam with at this point in time, uh, Murphy and I, I mean, we had, we had sort of run the gamut. We had done, we had done the record label thing. We had done, you know, the touring and, you know, sleeping on floors for years and all that kind of fun stuff, all the DIY funness. And I was kind of over it. You know, I was, I was doing MMA. I had a successful design career at this point in time. And it, music just has a way of pulling you back in. So uh, I agreed to jam with these dudes. And, and the thing was, we were going to get together once a week in my basement. And we were just going to play Metallica and Megadeth covers and whatever felt fun. But I was purposely never going to give the band a name because then it became a band. And I didn't want to play shows. I was kind of over it. So mm-hmm. very limited involvement. And, and quickly, we, we meshed well. 
me and Murphy have always meshed well as far as writing and, and jamming just, you know, after so many years of doing it. And James was a, was a great fit. We started writing original songs, you know, just kind of like anybody would do in a room. And the songs were okay. You know, in a lot of those songs uh, became Final Days, which was our first release. With Final Days, we recorded that. We decided to play shows. So we, we rounded out the lineup. We got our first vocalist. We had, I don't know, five or 10 goofy bass players. And uh, we wanted to, yeah, we wanted to play local gigs. So we recorded Final Days just so we would have something to give promoters just so they could say this band sounds good or whatever, you know, what you do, you just got to have music out there. I gave that, uh, that final days recording to uh, Curtis Duar, who is our longtime publicist, um, just to kind of see what would happen. Oh, what the hell, you know, maybe get some reviews or in my eyes, maybe get laughed at. I don't know. But uh, the thing did well. People really liked it. We signed to a small label, uh, Static Tension Recordings. And, um, and we started to do some touring. We went out with uh, Solstice for our first tour, did the whole U.S. thing, and, and it kind of just grew from there. Our second album was Eradication, which was, the, I'm sure, the one that uh, put some eyes on us. And Eradication did very well. So, you know, we're just continuing to, to grow and evolve. And in my opinion, I think, you know, of course, I'm a little biased, but the new songs that we're working on right now are, superior in every way to, to what we've done thus far and for the first time we're really writing as a band which is which is a big thing for us we have a new vocalist from from final days i mean eradication was that was the first album that blaine was on and blaine is an amazing guitar player like far far better than than murphy and myself and having him in the room he brings his influences are a little different than ours and he brings his 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 ideas and, and his flavor to to the to the writing sessions and uh, Johnny Wallace, who is our bass player, also a good guitar player, and, and he comes from more of like a, a black metal, death metal sort of background. So we've got all these different influences in the room, and we're, we're finally at a place where in the past, a lot of the songs were just stuff I had wrote in my bedroom and just recorded in a cell phone, and those just became songs. You know, Murphy would throw a riff here or there, and we would just kind of slap it together, and that, and that was a song. But now we're taking our time. Everybody contributes. Everybody speaks up. And as a result, I just feel like it's, it, the songs are more well-rounded, more robust. There's, there's more dynamic to the songs. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, just being, being a little more critical. Um, sorry to take so much time on it. I know I'm sure you, you guys probably wish we would rush it out. But yeah, we, we've been dragging our feet a little bit due to the whole COVID thing. But, uh, yeah, I think when this, one, when this one drops, I think this is going to be a game changer for us. Yeah, no, we want the best record that you guys can write. And however long that takes is however long that takes. Absolutely. Um, so no, that. no, no worries there. Um, but I am curious, you said, you know, you did all, you did all, every, all the things except for metal. Um, and I'm curious, what, what does that mean exactly? Like what kind of bands were you in and why, if you guys are such big metal heads, why did, why did you get to metal last? I really don't know, to be honest. I mean, so, so Murphy and I met, um, I was working at, at guitar center at the time and Murphy came in and he was wasting my time. I was a salesman. He was playing a guitar he couldn't afford. And uh, I noticed that he had a straight edge tattoo on his elbow. <laughs> and, and so I, I just kind of, you know, small talking, trying to sell this guy a Gretsch that he had no business playing. I, I started talking to him about his, his elbow tattoo. And at the time I was jamming with some, some dudes. Uh, we were playing like kind of just traditional, you know, punk influenced hardcore stuff. And so uh, I was like, hey, you want to come over and jam? So that was how, how Murphy and I ended up in our first <clears throat> band. 
but we were playing like traditional hardcore, but we would always throw in like just a little bit of like, you know, Iron Maiden flair, little harmonies and stuff that kind of made the stuff cool and, and maybe a little different than what some of the other guys were doing at the time. You know, from there, I guess we were in we were in the hardcore scene. So you sort of stay in the hardcore scene. So it wasn't wasn't again that like we didn't want to play metal. It was just like that was where we were. Those were the dudes, you know, we were playing with and sort of in our circle who we had access to. And let's be honest, playing metal is a hell of a lot harder than than playing punk rock and stuff like that. So, you know, I think maybe especially on my end, because uh, to back up, I was always the vocalist in those bands. I was not the guitar player. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I was the vocalist in in all of our first. I was the vocalist in Dead Soldiers. I was the vocalist in all those bands, and so for me, it was almost a confidence thing. I started. I didn't. Um, I didn't really pick up a guitar and start caring about playing guitar again until I don't know a couple of years before we we did Warcurse. We were doing a band called Paper Tigers, which was very like poppy Foo Fighters sounding kind of heavy rock mixed with like a little Hot Water influence or whatever. And, and I loved that band. That was cool. But that was really like when I was like, okay, I guess I'll be a guitar player now. And um, I started taking guitar lessons. I mean, at this point, I didn't know if you said play a, a G, I didn't know what a G was. You had to say like fret number five. You know, I was like, guitar mm-hmm. is stupid. So, um, you know, as far as like being able to jump in and, and play, you know, the, the stuff we're writing right now it would have been literally impossible for me to play at that point in time. So I had to kind of force myself to to learn how to be a guitarist and not just be like a dude who owned a guitar. So that was, uh, that was part of the delay, but really it was just like, as, as time went on, the bands we were playing in, it's, it's like, it got progressively heavier and heavier. Like we went from playing like borderline punk rock to playing, you know, borderline thrash metal over a period of, you know, X amount of years. And it was just, it was really just kind of time to do it. You know, I mean, we would always break into, uh, you know, metal covers at band practice. And a lot of times, um, I would have a guitar. We would have somebody that wouldn't show up. And yeah, I mean, we would we would be jamming, you know, like a Metallica song or, you know, whatever it was or, you know, Slayer song or whatever. So it just sort of made sense. But it did take us a while to get there. And then how did you come across? How did you, did you know Blaine or did you how did you how did he enter the picture? Uh, Blaine was playing guitar in a band called Letters to the Blind, which is like a kind of a proggy technical metal band. I don't know how to describe. He's probably going to get pissed when he hears that description. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, Blaine's band, they're really good band. Um, Chaz, the vocalist of that was like in Jacob's Dream and some other, like he was in some, some. I think he was signed to Metal Blade at one point in time, a couple of his bands. So yeah, we, we would do shows with those dudes and uh, they came down and like opened our release show for Final Days and we just became kind of fast friends. Blaine was that all the shows we were at? There's all, it's funny. There's a lot of old pictures of uh, Warcurse on stage and right in the front row, you'll see Blaine and Johnny, Johnny always throwing up the horns. So like we were just always there. And when we needed a vocalist, um, I started asking around and um, I, I actually didn't believe it was Blaine on the tape. So his, his then girlfriend encouraged him to go and record a demo and send it to us. And she sent it to me and I was like, who is this? Cause like, you know, this gigantic voice coming out of Blaine, it didn't even register in my brain that that was possible. And, Dude came down and ran a couple of songs. And two days later, we ran him into the studio. And those those tracks, those takes, like after being in a band for like two minutes, those were actually, uh, that, that became Serpent. Um, he did Sands of Fate, maybe Iron Veil. But yeah, a handful of those songs, those takes that fast got used on Eradication. So he was just, he, he picked it up really quick and he was a natural. And uh, we've yet to even tap into Blaine's potential as far as what he's capable of doing. So 
those songs were all written for our old vocalist and and i can't wait to see what we can drag out of blaine with with a lot more time and preparation you know more studio time and, and a real producer you know beating them up and getting them to do the things we want them to do when you knew him as a guitar player in that band did you know he also sang no no time? idea zero idea that's crazy to me i don't think i realized and shame on me i don't think i realized that he was that you know accomplished a guitar player i didn't realize oh, he, that yeah he's crazy like if you watch his instagram videos the dude shreds super super hard and I almost laugh that he has to be on stage with me and Murphy bumbling around on the guitar while he's like standing there holding a microphone. It's almost cruel. It's like a cruel joke in a way. Like this dude spent his entire life like mastering the guitar. And now he's in a band with these two doofuses up there, like, you know, getting by or whatever. It's, I don't know. I find, I, I find, I think you guys do a little, I think you guys do a little better than that. Come well, on. we try, but Blaine, yeah, Blaine's a badass on guitar. It's actually somewhat unnerving to have to, uh, to play guitar in front of the dude. Like when we're doing, I'm sure you've probably heard some of the like the bedroom demo recordings of the new songs or whatever. Like we record those at Blaine's house. He's a pretty good engineer as well. But um, yeah, it's like, you know, I'm sitting there playing guitar in front of this dude. And I can imagine his eyes have probably rolled back into his into the back of his head. But the, the flip side is he has to sing in front of me. So it's kind of I don't know if, if I could if I could inherit his his guitar abilities and he could inherit my years of being a front man and standing up there naked with a microphone, we'd really have something going on. Amazing. I think you do, actually. Um, have you done any shows recently? Like, what's happening since... Where have you been at with shows? Well, we did Full Terror Assault. That was really, like, our... That was our first show in almost two years. Yeah. We had all that stuff. Um, I mean, we had, like, the big Mexico, like, the, that soccer stadium run with that Rada Blanca band. We had that whole thing canceled on us. Yeah. That's rescheduled for March. We had okay. Europe and all that with Heathen. That was all canceled. So, I mean, we sat dormant. We didn't, there was no shows in 2020. And then uh, 2021, almost everything got rescheduled except for the Full Terror Assault Festival. So that was it for us. Like we hadn't toured, we hadn't done anything since our tour ended in 2019. It was pretty, mm -hmm. pretty wild. Anything on the horizon be before the record comes out? Or are you going to wait until record comes out? Um, well, it'll depend when, when we hand over the record, but um we do have um, Mexico is rescheduled right now for March of 2022. And there's a chance we're going to do some, some U S dates early 2022 as well. At that point, we should at least be promoting and playing some new songs. So, you know, we'll have something cool to start building some momentum back up and, you know, promoting the, the release and all that. But yeah, it's, it's really just, it's kind of hard to say when, when full scale touring will become normal especially international right now with everything going yeah. on and our big concern and the reason we, we've drug our feet a little bit is that we don't want to rush to put out another album that goes to waste mm -hmm. and you know what i mean by that is you know obviously like thrash metal if you're playing thrash metal you want to you have to play germany I mean, period germany's going to be one of your big markets as is you know mexico city and some of the other real hotbeds for thrash metal and unless we can go there and physically play for these people and sell this album door to door and make new fans get in front of people with this thing and, and truly promote it the way it deserves to be promoted. It's, it's kind of bittersweet to, I don't want to do it, you know, until we can really do it. Like I love our American fans. I love playing in America, but that's not the only place that, that we need to be promoting this album. So it's all tricky. Yeah. Yep. No, totally understand that. Totally get that. Speaking of new songs, but not really new songs. Um, your cover of Anthrax's only really took off, man. 
Um, Dude, that was fun. That was and I can fun. tell you, Charlie and Scott are friends of mine, and I think you know this already. Like, they loved it. They really organically were like, this is so fucking great. And they loved it. Dude, that was so cool. And it was so funny that Charlie leaked it a day early on Twitter. That was <laughs> that was so awesome. But um, it was uh, that might have been my fault. Sorry. Oh, dude, that was <laughs> I, I laughed so hard. That was it was great. But um, yeah, the reception was cool, and it got a you know it got a crap ton of views, and I was I was really stoked. Um, we we were doing uh, Exodus was with us at Full Terror Assault. You know uh, Murphy. You probably I don't know, maybe you don't know this. I don't know, but Murphy and I work for Exodus. Um, I I guitar tech for Lee and Jack, and Murphy is their drum tech normally for oh. Tom. But we had John Tempesta with us. Because, oh, good, uh, good friend of mine as well, actually. Yeah, John's the man. Former guest Sweet. on the show. Yeah, yeah, I listened to that one. But John rules. But but the funny thing was, we did the only cover live at Full Terror Assault. We just wanted to play it at least once. You know, we put it out there, and it would be, it would have been a shame to never play it for a crowd. We figured <clears> Full Terror Assault's like an old school friendly crowd. You know, typically slightly older crowd. So yeah, we played it. Everybody was fucking loving it, singing along. But what was funny was my uh, my drummer had John Tempesta standing right behind him. He's a gigantic fan of John. I'm going to nerd James out for a minute. So I'm sure he was probably feeling the nerves a little bit. And when we started playing only, John pulled his phone out and he was recording it and sending it to Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was, that was a fun moment. But uh, great cover, man. We're, we're just big John Bush fans, uh, both yep. his work in Anthrax and Armored Saint. So when, when Matt asked us to do something for the Slay at Home series, we kicked around some ideas. We were initially going to do Iced Earth. I feel like we might have dodged a little bullet there. Oh, yeah. You might have dodged and that whole thing right? happened. Yeah. So we, we narrowly dodged that one. But anyway, we decided to do, uh, <laughs> we, we were looking for something, somebody with a, you know, Blaine's got a slight, I don't want to say he's got like a deep voice, but he doesn't have like a, a Dave Mustaine voice, for example, you know. So we wanted something that was in his wheelhouse because we didn't have long to do it. Like we literally slapped that thing together in an afternoon. And uh, and that was from not knowing the song for for anything like none of us had ever played it or tried to figure out any of the parts or anything. Blaine had probably never heard the song, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, it was super cool. And, and John Bush is you know, he's a legend, but it was cool. You know, it felt like it was in our wheelhouse and I felt like we pulled it off pretty well. So, yeah, John loved the song as well. Yeah, dude, when loved I it. when I saw that, I was so stoked. Like, you know, I, I, I'm admittedly kind of a John Bush fanboy, so I didn't want to fuck that one up. <laughs> Uh, you know, our, our whole podcast that you're on right now is is Delirious Nomads is named after a Norman Saint record, you know, yep. so we're right there with you. Absolutely. Um, so what do you like? Like, you know, getting out of your influences, but just, you know, viscerally, what do you like? Like, you know, what are your what are some of your favorite bands or some of your favorite live bands or what's a band you haven't seen yet that you really want to see live? Oh, man, I think I've seen everybody at this point in time. It's hard to say. I mean, anybody that I'm into for the most part, I think I've seen. Yeah, I mean, the stuff I'm listening to currently, I mean, I hang out at the record store every day and that's all we do is just nerd out and talk about music and spin vinyl. And I've kind of meddled myself out a little bit. And I'm sure this probably happens to you guys occasionally, but it's like you can only listen to so many hours of like intense music until you need maybe a little bit of background music, something that's maybe, I don't know, less involved to listen to. So I've been doing some some like drab majesty sort of stuff, you know, when I'm working, designing. I've been really big on pop punk lately, which I know I'm going to get made fun of. Probably Matt's probably grinning right now, but oh no, I love uh, pop punk. Like I love uh, pop punk so much that like, if it came out, it would be bad. (laughs) Okay. So hold up. Let's, let's talk pop punk. This is what I want to talk about. I saw the Menzingers the other night and like almost cried. Dude, they were here. Yeah. They killed it. They were at Southgate house uh, right around the corner from us two weeks ago. Yeah. Last weekend. I like, 
that I've never seen an artist smile so much on stage as a singer of the Menzingers did Thursday night in, in Manhattan. Like it was just like have you seen that band? He's hard to outsmile, man. Well, like, yeah, but it's different because he was like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like David Lee Roth, like on the sad ones, like gets into his like crooner position, right? Whereas this, like, even on the sad ones, this guy was beaming. It was cool. That, that's almost what I'm jealous of with pop punk is like how fun it is. You know, yeah, right? I've been to a million metal shows, but I mean, the, the energy in the <clears> room is just so different when you go to a pop punk show. I don't even know what wave we're on now. Are we calling the current bands? Are they like fifth wave if we're starting at Ramones? But wherever we're at. Are you into like the current crop of pop punk bands? Yeah, I toured with State Champs. I toured with Nick Deep. Yeah, like I'm into that. I'm into like Stand Atlantic. Uh, I really love that band Modern Baseball, like a really depressing amount. You're like (laughs) deep in 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 the Pure Noise Records catalog then. Oh yeah, no, like I'm like very sad. Dude, this podcast just went right off the rails. Yeah. Chris, Chris, is, Chris is looking at me like, what he's, the fuck? He's cringing. I'm like, like, well, I'm like, when I saw your tweets about modern baseball, I thought you meant the sport. I don't know what the fuck you're even talking no, about. Modern, oh, my God. I'm going to send it to you, and then you're going to stop talking to me. I've had reasons to do that before, and I'm, I'm still talking. <laughs> I'm amazed you're still talking to him. Why am I still talking to him? I don't know. But, dude, yeah. So, like, I went and saw it was State Champs. It was Real Friends. I love Real Friends. Was on Real it. Friends is sick. Like, dude, Real Friends is like my favorite band right now. So, so I just want to point out that Real Friends has like the most cringy sad boy lyrics of all time, including stuff like, um, if I could build a boat out of apologies I've got, I'd have a sorry looking raft. And that's how (laughs) they start the record. (laughs) Like, it's just like, like, when you talk about, when you talk, what I, I think I'm sure it's much different, but when you talk about pop punk, and I know this band's not a punk band, but where does a band like, Bring Me the Horizon fit in. They're kind of like pop metal, right? Like, what would you call them? See, yeah, that whole movement. I love that stuff, too. Like Architects and, and uh, I mean, I just saw I just saw Bring Me the Horizon at the Whiskey a couple of nights ago. I got to be honest, That's it cool. was fucking amazing. They were Dude, really, really good. The album's heavy as shit. It's like, I feel like everybody talked so much trash. They were like, okay, we'll show you. We can still do it, which I well, thought. Yeah, was cool. but it's like, Bring Me the Horizon is interesting because they're like consistently two or three years ahead of the curve. Like they had Skrillex on like before he was Skrillex. Yeah. Like when they did like a remix record, like they've like pretty consistently been like, fuck you. We really know what's cool. Which I'm you cool know? with, you know, oh, I, I, mean, I feel like th- them and architects sort of fall into the same unfortunate situation where like they do something, it changes the game. And then a million other bands immediately copy it. So they're forced to change again. It's like architects yeah. can't put out two albums that sound the same because Every time they do, like, I mean, there's a reason people call that that sound like architect score. 87 right. million bands just immediately ate everything they did on that album. So, yeah, but I, I love that sort of stuff. So I've been listening to a lot of that. I've been listening to, like, I just bought a fresh copy of Eddie Money today. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm all over the board, man. I like to think that if, if you're a musician and you're, like, pigeonholing yourself into listening to only your genre and, like, only your, your the influences you're going to list on, you know, like on a page or something, you're just really selling yourself short. Now, Elton John, Queen, you know, like all the classic great songwriters. That's I like to study that stuff. I like to take it apart and look at it from every angle and, and try to figure out what worked, you know, why it worked, all that sort of stuff. Um, learning to play some of that stuff just introduces like a new vocabulary in, into what you can do musically. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just all over the board. I listen to 95% metal, but to your point, sometimes you need a break. And I have this recently, I just uh, I'm doing a deep dive into the police Ooh, discography. Like, oh, yeah. 
not just the, not just the every breath you take, but really going deep into their catalog. Like what great songwriters they were. Sting is a strange bird, but great songwriter. Very strange. Yeah, I, I'll like to do that sometimes too. I'll go back and take like a like Elton John's one that I did that with recently. Whereas like I knew all the you know the top twenty, you know the greatest hits. Yeah. So to speak. Yeah, but then you go and you just like you listen to all the B sides, and that that's actually why I love vinyl. It kind of forces you to do it if you're lazy like me and you don't want to get up and flip the album you know, every, every couple of minutes or, or, you know, replace it. So it's like, you have to listen to the whole thing all the way through. And it forces you to really listen to all the songs that you had never heard that you probably should have heard. You realize how, how like shortchanged you were by the tastemakers or whoever controlled the radio back then that you only got, you know, two songs off of an album with eight amazing songs or six amazing songs. So I, I, I love doing those deep dives. Elton John and Billy Joel, two artists that I, can't say I love, love, love or, or whatever, but are obviously, you know, I want to see, I, they, I have to see them both before they're done performing, which is coming to Elton John's definitely coming to a close. Uh, Billy Joel just sold out his 74th consecutive seller at MSG last night or the night before. Um, but it was his first show at MSG since the pandemic started. Um, guys, unbelievable. Just selling out MSG night after night after night. Yeah. Like I'd that's kind of the him. dream, right? If it's like, <laughs> I can just like sell out an arena like a couple minutes from my house. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. He helicopters in, he helicopters out. He's home in 25 minutes out in the east end of, of Yeah, that, that's that's made in the shade. That's like getting a cozy gig, like when you get like a residency in, in, in Las Vegas where you literally just play the same set twice a day and make millions and millions of dollars with minimal work and no touring, you know? Getting one of those like cushy Garth Brooks gigs or something. Have you guys heard, speaking of legendary artists, have you guys heard the news that um, Ozzy's deep into the making of his next record and and Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck are playing on it? Yep, and Zach Wilde's evidently tracking all the main yep. guitars for the album. Is that not crazy? And Andy, Andy Watts producing it. Andrew's amazing. Jeff Beck and Eric Clapton with Ozzy? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's- it's out of left field. It's star-studded. But, you know, everybody was weird about all the collaborating on the last uh, Ozzy album. And, and actually, I love that Elton John track so much. Not yeah, it's a great Elton. song. Yeah, yeah, but um, but I thought that last Ozzy album was was stellar, and I I thought maybe that was a swan song. I thought maybe that was it for him. But yeah, I'm excited to get at least one more. You know, yep. Well, yeah. it's just cool I, to hear an artist like that, like doing like legitimately good and like legitimately unexpected and interesting collaborations, right? Like, yeah, I just like that's what I want out of life is to hear. Ozzy do interesting collaborations with cool people. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, but um, but I do know that Andrew Watts producing it, and I and I do know Andrew a little bit, and the guy is a genius, and he's really young, but he's a fucking genius, and I have to think that he's got some hand in this. Like, hey, did you ever think about you know doing something with Eric Clapton? <laughs> like, yeah, no, but let's do it. Super cool, super cool. I, I yeah, that's I was wondering too. Like, how the hell did Post Malone get wrapped up in that right in that last one? You know, like who? whatever it did I, I love the twitter reactions where everybody was like i don't know who this aussie guy is but post malone's giving him a career you know yeah. <laughs> right. it's like such a such a weird mashup of like like a huge generational gap there but it was it was cool as shit you know i love to see that kind of stuff i'm not the biggest post malone fan but like that song was cool and and again you know it's like anytime i don't care if, if it's somebody you, you love you you're not crazy about you haven't heard of whatever anytime you can mutually bring each other up any kind of collaboration or social media cross-promoting or anything i mean i don't see why more of that stuff doesn't happen 
Yeah, I did a thing for for Co- for Co- not for Coachella, but I I did this like celebrity chef barbecue thing at a mansion, and Andrew Watt and Post Malone came in and got on stage, and they were just jammed out on all these metal songs. This is this is like two thousand and it was a while ago, seventeen maybe even seventeen or eighteen. Um, but I did not expect Post Malone to get up there and do a bunch of metal stuff, and he did. It was pretty cool. I'm like friends with his assistant tour manager. Maybe she's no longer his assistant tour manager, but she was at one point. And she's told me some stuff like that. And it's like, he was leg- like, he had all those pictures when he met Gate Creeper, but like, he was like legitimately stoked to meet Gate Creeper. Like he's a fan of like OSDM worship and he's a fan of Power Trip. And like, so, you know, it's cool. He's, 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 he seems like a good kid. That makes um, me like him a lot more. It's also funny that he has an assistant tour manager. Well, I think tours of that scope have like 300 people on them. So you need, you know, a couple of tour managers to kind of, you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I can't imagine being a solo tour manager and having to deal with that. But yeah. Anyway, we are running low on time. So you are going to put out a, an amazing record. Um, and then if you could tour with anybody, it would be go. Metallica, of course. Okay. If you could tour with anybody other than Metallica. I'm going to say Exodus. And, and for two reasons, just one, you know, there are buds. And I just think that when it comes to pure thrash metal, I don't think anybody does it better. Yep, and um, sure. you learn a lot from from watching guys like that night after night. And uh, they're consummate professionals. I know their show's going to run well because I've got a hand in that. Very cool dudes. Great band. Definitely we have. just had um, Gary Holt on, actually, on this on this podcast. Hell yeah. Um, and uh, I think I saw something Scott Ian was saying. He wants to expand the big four to the big five and include Exodus because they're not they're not in there. I saw that. There's been a. I made a post about it earlier, but there's been a lot of clickbaity Exodus headlines, and I don't know if it's Gary being a, a, the brilliant promoter that he is, but they put out a single called Clickbait, which was a right. filler song. That's off of Persona Non Grata. It comes out later this month. But he all of a sudden he puts out a song called Clickbait, and then he's saying outlandish shit. He's taking stabs at Metallica. He's taking stabs at all of his friends. He's talking all this funny big four stuff, and then people are getting in. I wonder if they're purposely generating clickbait, which would be brilliant. But yeah, I'm <laughs> laughing at some of these headlines. It could be, could be. He said today that they would wipe the big four off the face of the earth. And I thought that was a pretty ballsy statement to make. But did I he really say that? It. Yeah, he did. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, I made a whole break. Yeah, you probably saw. I made a whole breakdown on like why it's actually true. And I, to- I, I totally agree with it. If you I mean, take away all the fancy stage and production and all the pyro and all the bullshit that Metallica requires to put on an entertaining show and you put them on the same stage Exodus is on, on the same night under the same conditions, you can't even compare the energy. Metallica's been my favorite band since I was probably five years old. Exodus will kick their ass any night of the week. All right. If that isn't a strong way to end this podcast, I don't know what is. Strong words. You may not get that Metallica tour now is all I'm saying, but but. I wasn't going to get it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I, uh, we're busy taking out Greta Van Fleet. We're chopped liver. We don't get shit. So, Oh, geez. Are they really taking out Greta Van Fleet? They are taking out Greta Van Fleet. Who, who, by the way, I think are great. I think, but I don't know if I like that tour, but anyway. Um, All right. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Cannot wait to hear more new stuff. Obviously can't wait to put it out and support you any way we can. Uh, How can people find you? How can can they find your music? Yeah, warcurse.com. We're pretty busy on Facebook. Um, we are not on TikTok like Matt, but we are on Instagram. So most most of your social media platforms, we don't check our Twitter often, but if you go to warcurse.com, that will link you to pretty much everything we do. 
Perfect. Warcurse.com. Everybody go. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you again next week. Stay metal. All right. So that was awesome. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening to Delirious Nomads, sponsored by Blacklight Media. We will be coming back at you next week with another awesome guest. Be sure to follow Blacklight Media on socials for new music and more. And above all, keep it heavy. Well, hey, friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.